Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Gamer Girl podcast. I'm Liz, the Healthy Gamer Girl, and this is episode 25. So as always, our medical disclaimer, I'm not a doctor, and this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease or medical condition. Rather, it is informational in nature, so please always consult with your physician before beginning any new diet or health regimen. Like I said before, this is episode 25, and today we're going to talk about how many carbohydrates you should eat. And this is for those people who are kind of focusing on a low-carb or ketogenic diet. So if you are not one of those people and you want to scoot off now, I won't be offended. But if you are one of those people, welcome aboard. And maybe if you just want to learn a little bit more about carbohydrates or something like that, you can stick around too. We're going to talk about carbohydrate metabolism, which is actually, I think, super fascinating. So you may want to hear about that. So let's just dive right into it. What determines carbohydrate metabolism? And this is person to person. I digest carbs in a different way than you digest carbs. And so I think it's really important for us to kind of lay out some of these factors. Now, the first factor we're going to discuss is genetics, and specifically the Amy1 gene. I'm going to kind of table this right now, tell you all the other factors, and then we're going to scoop back to genetics, but I want you to bear in mind that that is actually a huge part of your carb metabolism. Um, so after genetics, after like that's the baseline, that's where you're starting from. There are things like autoimmune conditions and inflammatory disorders, which can determine your carbohydrate metabolism. So for those who have hypothyroid issues like Hashimoto's, you probably cannot eat as many carbohydrates as your friends who don't have Hashimoto's. That's just, sorry, it's just the way it is. Um, other autoimmune issues can also impact how many carbohydrates you should be eating. Same with inflammatory disorders. Sugar and carbs are highly inflammatory. So if you have any sort of inflammation issues, you should probably avoid carbohydrates. Um, hormone imbalances. We've talked about polycystic ovarian syndrome and endometriosis. Um, these hormone imbalances and more can impact how many carbohydrates work for your body. So if you have any hormone issues, again, most of the time you should err on the lower side of eating carbohydrates. Of course, we'll talk about it in a little bit. That's different for everyone. Some people with endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome need more carbohydrates. Some need less. But just in general, they should be less than the government's 300, recommend, uh, 300 grams of recommended carbs per day, just in general. Some people, doesn't apply to. Um, moving right along to candida overgrowth and microbiome issues. So your microbiome is essentially your gut bacteria, and we're now discovering how, or, or scratching the surface really, of how incredibly important your microbiome is to your health and to your metabolism and your digestion. And recently, a relationship between certain good bacteria and good, I guess, a positive, strong metabolism have been made. These connections have been made. If you have too many of, we're going to call them bad bacteria, or too much yeast, which is candida, overgrowth in your gut, in all likelihood, you will have stronger cravings carbohydrates. It's kind of crazy. These little bugs, we're going to call them bugs just for fun because I think it's cute to call bacteria bugs. 
It's not the actual, that's, you don't have bugs in your gut. It's just cute. Um, but it's, it's funny to think that these little, like, I guess, parasites in your system, although they're not parasites, it's, it's really a symbiotic relationship, but these little bugs that kind of hop along for the ride actually determine what you want to eat and they can determine your cravings and force you to eat more sugar or not force, but encourage you to eat more sugar. So if you have any sort of overgrowth or gut bacteria issues, you may be craving more carbohydrates. I think that's really interesting. Um, another factor that can determine blood sugar metabolism or cravings, and this is this one's pretty obvious, but it's known blood sugar issues. So if you're diabetic, if you're hypoglycemic, if you are chronically obese, um, if you've been obese for a while, or even just overweight, you can have issues metabolizing carbohydrates and a damaged, I guess, carbohydrate metabolism, essentially. So you may want to err on the lower side. And I guess that's what I was saying with candida overgrowth and microbiome issues as well. Sorry not to jump around. But if you have these overgrowths, often a way to kind of help yourself out is by eating fewer carbohydrates because you're feeding the yeast less, you're feeding the bad bacteria, so to speak, less. And then in theory, these cravings will go away eventually. Um, and finally, the last contributing factor to your carbohydrate metabolism that we will talk about super briefly is pregnancy. And the thing I'm going to say about that is that you should talk to your doctor and not listen to a podcast about it entirely. Um, I think that Pregnancy is something that's so specific to an individual person that it's a little reckless of me to make suggestions on carbohydrates based um, or how many carbohydrates you should eat while you're pregnant. It's different for everyone based on the uh, factors we talked about before. And with pregnancy, you are not only talking about your own health, but the health of an unborn child. So it's incredibly important to have an informed medical opinion. Um, however, being pregnant can change the amount of carbohydrates you should eat in a day. Just throwing that out there. So we're going back to the genetic component of all of this, which is what I think is super cool. And that is um, Amy1. It's a gene. And Amy1 is actually one of a cluster of genes that produce amylases. Um, amylase, we talked about before, is a digestive enzyme which breaks down sugars and starches. Um, and we actually talked about this in the, by we, I mean, I talked at you about um, amylase when we discussed smoothies and juices and why I don't like them. And it's basically because Amy, or amylase, not Amy, amylase is an enzyme in your saliva. It's a salivary enzyme that breaks down carbohydrates. So if you're not chewing your food, like with smoothies and juices, you're not really introducing this amylase into your saliva. You're not pre-breaking down, so to speak, all of these sugars before they enter your stomach. You're just not digesting your food properly. Anyway, so how amylase and Amy1 relates to the number or relates to carb digestion is the number of copies of this Amy1 gene. And typically, humans have between two and 16 copies of this gene. And that's a lot of variation. So you might start to see how we can have such a broad variation in what we eat based on how many carbohydrates or how many copies, good Lord, I am a mess, based on how many copies of Amy1 we have. 
And the more copies of Amy1, the more salivary digestive enzymes are produced. So basically, the more copies of this gene you have, the more enzymes you have in your saliva to break down all the sugar. And there were studies that were done that I found pretty interesting on groups who were eating their heritage-based traditional diet of unprocessed foods. And these were groups all over the world. And I'll link to the study in the show notes if you want a closer look at this. But Essentially, this was a study that compared the levels of starch and sugar in the diet to average copies of Amy 1 within that population. And what they found is that there's a positive correlation between the copies of the gene and the amount of carbs in the diet. And yes, it's a correlational study. Yes, it's observational. So it's it's just to be taken with a grain of salt, but I still think it's pretty interesting to look at that in general people who have more copies of this gene have a traditional diet that includes more carbohydrates. It kind of makes sense when you think about it. In fact, it super makes sense. So how many copies of Amy 1 do I have or do you have? And the answer to that is it's pretty simple. I have absolutely no idea whatsoever. Um, I don't know how many copies of the gene I have. I certainly don't know how many copies you have. So that's something that if you want to, you could find out with genetic testing. Now there's a company called 23andMe, and I know they used to do testing for um, the Amy1 gene, but I believe they were shut down by the FDA a while back for, I guess, releasing too much information to the public. And interpret that as you will, but they are in operation again with modified reports, and I think that they're more of a heritage-based genetic testing um, company now. That's how they build themselves is that if you want to find out where your ancestors came from, you can have this testing. But I do know that they also still test for genetic markers. When I looked at their website and available reports, it didn't specifically mention carbohydrate metabolism or Amy 1. Um, and I actually contacted customer service and I'm waiting to hear back. So I'll let you know when I find that out. But... Once I do, if they do offer that kind of testing, that is an option. That's an at-home kit. Um, or you could talk to your doctor and find out if there is a genetic testing area close to you or if they have a referral for a doctor where you could have this testing done. Alternatively, which is kind of the option I've chosen to go by, you could just do some N equals 1 studies. And what this means is that you are the test pool. And obviously, because you are both the test pool and the test administrator, this is incredibly subjective. And it's really all about feel and how eating certain things makes you as an individual feel physically and emotionally. So you just keep a food journal. Um, you track the amount of macronutrients you're eating at meals. Um, track the actual foods too. So say like you had these foods for lunch, they had this many carbs, this much protein, this um, much fiber, this many grams of fat, and just write it all down. And then every couple hours throughout the day, check in with how you feel. So like at two o'clock, like an hour after eating, you felt kind of tired and you felt kind of nauseous. Well, look back on that day and see what did you have for lunch? Okay, so maybe the, some of these things aren't great for you. Now, over one day, that's really difficult to determine a pattern, but once you've done this for a week or two, you start to see certain foods make you feel certain ways. And you can go 
through that time and again, it's not a one-time thing per se. You can test for different types of foods. Let's say you just wanted to see how you feel eating dairy versus not eating dairy. What you could do is just eat as normal, track how you feel after the meals, and then remove dairy, and then track how you feel after all of that, and see if there's patterns, if you feel any differently. It's, it's again, not very scientific. It's more of a feeling. So numbers. Let's just talk about some numbers because we're talking about how many carbs should you eat. So you're, you must be thinking there's got to be a metric for how many grams. And there kind of is if you're on a ketogenic diet. So the basis for a ketogenic diet for most people is eating 20 grams of net carbohydrates a day. And net grams of carbohydrates, that's basically the total grams of carbohydrates minus the fiber, which you don't digest. Um, so North American food packaging does not list net carbohydrates for the most part, so you end up doing some math with your meals. I'm not sure about elsewhere. I know some places the fiber is already removed from the carb count, so you might want to check on that just to be sure. Um, so if you want to be in ketosis, though, 20 grams a day is a good place to start. And you can experiment from there. You can add some, you can subtract some, depending on how things are going. Uh, vegetarians and vegans may actually have to increase their carb intake a little bit just because non-animal forms of protein and fat often come packaged with carbs, at least in their whole form. So that's nuts, coconuts, olives, avocados. These things all have carbohydrates in them. They just do. They're a whole food. That's how it is. So if you're eating mostly these types of foods, you're going to want to give yourself a little more leeway. Now, low carb is a greater spectrum than just ketogenic diets. Pretty much anything under 150 grams of carbohydrates per day is considered low carb. And again, not a hard and fast number, more of an approximation. But if you're eating anywhere in that area and you feel great, then do it. Just go for it. Pretty much anything between zero carbohydrates and 150 car grams of carbohydrates can be considered low carb. And honestly, if you want to eat 175 grams or 200 and you feel great doing that, then do that. There's no rule saying that you have to eat one way or another. But if you have any sort of indication that you should be on a low carbohydrate diet, a pretty safe number to use is 150 grams. So just maybe try to eke in lower than that. And again, you figure out what's right for you. And if 150 seems like way too much, then just kind of scoot it down maybe to 125 grams a day and see how that feels for you. And just basically keep doing that until you find what sticks. Um, and that's really the bottom line of all this is that you're a unique little snowflake with your own genetic makeup and your own lifestyle and your own health concerns. And because of all of this, you have your own set of nutritional needs. And... Beyond just this, you have to remember that your lifestyle is constantly changing. Your health is constantly changing. So once you have determined what works for you, you might do it for a while and it can work, but you might hit a point where eating 20 grams of carbohydrates a day makes you feel exhausted and groggy and tired. And so you realize that now you have to eat 30 grams of carbohydrates a day or 50 and there's nothing wrong with that. Our lifestyles change, our current situations, situations change, and that can mean that the amount of carbs you eat changes. It can mean the types of foods you eat change. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
It's fine to eat one way and then to suddenly switch and eat another way. There's no shame, no guilt involved with that. It's just how your body's reacting. It's just what you need right now. Um, I think that if we take the shame and the guilt away from these lifestyles and from these ways of eating, then people would be a lot happier. There's no need to go and make a YouTube video about how so-and-so person stopped eating a low-carb diet or stopped eating a vegan diet or stopped eating a high-carb diet and now they're terrible and they're the worst. That's unnecessary. We eat what we eat because it makes us feel good and that, that should be enough. So just keep that in mind. What you eat now might not actually be what you eat in a year. And it's not that you've done anything wrong. It's just that your body is constantly changing. So you can just go through the process again and find out, does eating a lot of sugar make me feel good? Does eating a lot of avocado make me feel good? Maybe today it does, tomorrow it doesn't. So that's pretty much it. I guess the bottom line is do what, do what feels good to you. And I really appreciate you listening to this. So if you want show notes where I link the study and everything, you can go to healthygamergirl.com slash show notes. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, I'm at healthygamergirl. Um, and I love Instagram and I love interacting with you guys on Instagram. So it would make me super happy if you did follow me and I'll follow you back. And if you wanted to email me with any questions, you can find me at liz at healthygamergirl.com. And again, I love getting your emails. I love hearing your questions. It makes me really happy. I love helping people. So it's, it's kind of a win-win for both of us. So again, thank you so much for listening to this. And I hope to see you next time. Have a great week.